And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today, folks. It is Friday. It's the Friday before, uh, for some people, at least the holiday weekend. July 4th is coming up on Tuesday. We are about to celebrate the 247th anniversary of American independence, the existence of the United States of America. What a wonderful time. And what a wonderful thing to be doing. So I hope you all of you are planning to have a good time and enjoy the holiday. I think I, I may have shared this with you all last week or may, uh, yesterday, I should say, or maybe I shared it with my podcast audience. But I've been trying for about a year and a half to get my flag uh, put back up in my yard because we had a windstorm and it, it literally the pole just bent. And of course, I couldn't leave it up. It was horrible. Uh, so I had to take my flag down, and I found out that it wasn't easy to find a pole that would fit in the sleeve that had been built for the first foundation, uh, for the base for the flag. And I, folks, it was tough finding a company that would do it. And, and many of them, you call them, they don't get back to you. Yeah, we'll happy, be happy to do it. They don't follow up. Finally, after much prayer, <laughs> I almost had to pray and fast over this one. Uh, my flag will be up on Monday, just before July 4th. And I tell you what, folks, that just makes my heart dance. It really does. Uh, you know, I, I just shake my head at these people who say, I see the flag and it triggers me. It, I, I, I get anxious. That, that flag makes me uncomfortable. And I see the flag. It just puts a great big old smile on my face. And I, I think about what that flag represents to me and so many others. And it just... It just gives it gives me the warm fuzzies. It might give somebody else the willies, but that's their problem. Uh, what it ought to do is make you feel awfully good and awfully blessed, particularly we who are blessed to be citizens of the United States of America. It's reflecting on the fact that, you know, had it not been for the Declaration of Independence and the Revolutionary War and heroes like George Washington and others, we would not be free citizens of a constitutional republic, we would be subjects of a monarchy. And folks, there is a difference. There is a difference. We are not subjects to anybody except Almighty God. And we are his children. Uh, but we are citizens, free citizens of a constitutional republic. And the sovereignty of this nation does not lie in a monarch or in a president or in a Supreme Court. The sovereignty of the United States of America lies in we the people. We instituted a government to serve us, not the other way around. We are its masters. It is our servant, no matter how confused some politicians may get about that. And I love that, folks. I love that. That's it. The fact that we established this nation... And I say we because that's right. I identify with the founding fathers and their thinking that we established this nation on the basis of that, that freedom and rights are the grant of almighty God 
not the gift of human beings to each other, but the grant of Almighty God, that we are inherently free by virtue of being human beings, and that government's job is to secure the, the freedom and the rights that are inherent in our humanity. Wow. It, it just, you know, folks, I, this is the truth. I've actually had atheists say to me, I haven't had this happen at least twice. Well, I don't really believe in God, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm glad the founding fathers established our rights and freedoms on belief in a higher power because that's a lot more stable than establishing it on belief in people. And I thought, man, even an atheist gets it. <laughs> you know, even, even an atheist understands the beauty of that, the inspiration of that, the, 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 the gift of that. So, folks, I, I am elated to celebrate the 240. Seventh anniversary. We're approaching a quarter of a millennium. In three years, we will be 250 years old. And I am grateful to God every day of my life to be a citizen of this great land. And what we've got to do now is preserve it. Now, I have to tell you that the data shows, the polls show, Gallup uh, has been taking polls since about 2001 or so. And we've had a 20% decline in the number of Americans, a percentage of Americans who say that they are very proud or extremely proud of our country. 20% decline. To now, it's no longer a majority believe that. It's now a plurality. 20, we're at an all-time low, as a matter of fact. 2023, the data shows... 39% of Americans are very proud or extremely proud to be Americans. 39%. 39% are extremely proud. 39%. That used to be well over a majority. So it's over the last 20 years has been declining. Now I can tell you why. By the way, this is First Amendment Friday, so we're going to be taking your calls starting in the next segment. The number is 888-589-8840. 888 I'm going to reflect a little bit on these Supreme Court decisions and patriotism, but I am going to get to your, some of your calls in the next segment. Why are we suffering so much from a lack of patriotism? And, and, and by the way, folks, you know, this, that trend cannot continue because eventually what it means is you don't have a country of people who actually love our country, are willing to suffer, sacrifice, bleed, and if necessary, die for our liberty because you don't have people who love the country or think well of it. If that trend continues, we're no longer a majority who, who are very proud of our country. I mean, what, what, what happens when it gets down to 10%? And you get 90% of the people go, oh, America, oh, okay. The flag kneeling movement, all this flag anxiety talk, the flag triggers me, it's, it's a racist symbol. Critical race theory says America's founded on racism and slavery. Barack Obama and his kind of milk toast attitude. Or we just recent the recent comment. Yo, know, these these African American conservatives validate America. Oh, that's a terrible thing for a, an American citizen to validate America. We can't have that, can we? Uh, the black national anthem stuff, where you got the football teams playing two anthems: the black national anthem and the national anthem. I mean, the dividing our country. Juneteenth, yeah, that's right, Juneteenth, to the extent that people say, well, so this is, it's the black independence. I mean, give me a break. 
undermining the sense of, I mean, people like Colin Kaepernick. I'm not celebrating June 4th. I'm not, I mean, July 4th. I'm not celebrating July 4th. Why would I celebrate a country that blah, 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 blah? The Democrat Party. As far as I'm concerned, the Democrat Party has become the party of anti-Americanism. The educational system teaching our children to hate our country with a bunch of, of, of Marxist, leftist, ideological nonsense. Um, accusations against Christians calling us Christian nationalists as if we're the equivalent of Nazis because we love our country. Um, here again, patriotism is supposed to be uh, a, a dog whistle for racism now. The data shows that Democrats are the least patriotic in America and the least patriotic within their demographic, 18, 34, 18 years of age to 34, are the least proud Americans in the country. Those are the things that are eroding our sense of patriotism, demoralizing people, causing people to not feel a sense of love and, and commitment and loyalty to our nation. That's why the NBA will sell us out to China, and so will the Biden family. We'll be back in a moment, and we'll start taking your calls shortly thereafter. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, as Pride Month is ending, it's worth revisiting an event that took place on the South Lawn of the White House. President Biden hosted an event for families with LGBTQ kids. This is where the president announced he would appoint a banned book czar. That person's job, apparently, is to encourage libraries to stock books dealing with sexual issues that I can't really even discuss in much detail on this commentary. David Harsani has a suggestion for the president. He argues that if banned books are harmless, Joe Biden should read them to kids. He even suggests that the president read these to young people on television and even suggests that Jill Biden might be another person to read these books to impressionable young people. Of course, he will not do this because the sexual descriptions of what boys and girls do to each other would be offensive. There are vivid descriptions of sexual organs and graphic descriptions of various forms of sex. If you want to follow the link, you can read what is in some of these books. And on my radio program, I reminded many listeners of what some concerned parents did years ago at a shareholder meeting for music companies. They read some of the offensive and decadent lyrics of rap artists they represented. More recently, parents and even students have read excerpts from some of these books at school board meetings. And in every case, the audience was shocked and music executives and school board members told them to stop. You know, it's easy to talk about book banning in the abstract. It is quite another to see and hear what is in some of these books. There's a reason why parents and even some teachers and administrators don't want sexually explicit books in the library. That is also the reason you will never hear that the president read these books to students. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free booklet on a biblical view on big data, go to viewpoints.info slash data. That's viewpoints.info slash data. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch to the customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double. 
MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Well, quickly, folks, we've got something to really celebrate, too. These Supreme Court decisions that have come down have really been a tremendous blessing to this country. And and in, in many ways, I, I have often complained about the Supreme Court making decisions that really had nothing to do with the Constitution that were more about transforming the culture. But now we do have justices who, for the most part, I can quibble with some of their the things that they've said. I mean, I, I could quibble with Gorsuch, um, including uh, gender identity in the definition of sex in the 1964 Civil Rights Act. I have a major problem with that. But for the most part, they're on target. Uh, and we are grateful to God. Now, the, the decision came down on 303 Creative LLC uh, versus Alenis. This is the this is the woman, the website designer who didn't want to do a website uh, touting homosexuality, LGBTQ, whatever. And they sued her and she won because they they the Supreme Court decided this on a on a First Amendment basis, saying the government, the state of Colorado was trying to compel her to, to, to put whatever they wanted in a website uh, and compel her to take down things from a website that were Christian, upholding Christian principles and values. So basically, they were censoring her, uh, her free speech, and then ordering her to say things that she didn't agree with. And the Supreme Court said, you can't do that in America. The First Amendment protects the speech you want to make, but it also protects you from being compelled by the government to say what you don't want to say. So that that is a tremendous blessing. That's a 6-3 decision. And also, as you all know, we talked about the affirmative action part. The Supreme Court struck down the um, Biden's attempt to implement a student loan forgiveness program because he doesn't have the constitutional authority. Uh, he was using the HEROES Act to do that, by the way. And the HEROES Act was passed in order to help veterans of the of the the early wars against Islamic terror, you know, starting back in two thousand one, who had school loans, ended up serving in the military to help them until they got back home and and were gainfully employed to to so that they wouldn't end up defaulting on loans. It was a service to our heroes. A serve that's why they called it the Heroes Act. He's trying to apply this to all students and say, well, we've got the right to make adjustments for, for every student in America. Well, that's not what it was created for, number one. So the president didn't have authority. Here's the, the, the last thing. Oh, and by the way, the, the, thank God, also the employee's right to religious accommodation. This employee who agreed that he would not have to work on Sundays when he took the job, then they changed up on him and forced him to work. Uh, and the Supreme Court said, no, 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 you've got to accommodate religious people as long as it does not create a substantial burden on the business. Uh, so three great decisions for our country, 
for all of us, for all Americans. Uh, you know what troubles me about this? These three justices, uh, Sotomayor, uh, Katanji Jackson, and uh, the third, they, they really have the opinion that you should be able to make the, the Constitution say whatever you want it to say to do whatever you want to do. I mean, they were prepared to uphold the state of Colorado, forcing this woman to build a website that, that puts out messages that she does not want to put out. They want to force her to do that. And the Supreme Court said the failure to do so is to turn back the clock so that the people can't get public accommodations. I mean, it's preposterous. In none of these cases, folks, in not a single one that I'm aware of, and I'm aware of most of them, has any Christian, uh, any Christian retailer, uh, uh, shop owner, baker turn people away because of their sexual orientation? They have only said there are certain things I will not do. You want to come in my shop? You are welcome. You want to buy anything on the shelf? You are welcome. Um, what I will not do is craft a message that disagrees with my Christian principles. But other than that, you are welcome, and we will accommodate you in every way we can. But they want to treat it like you're not allowed to come into this restaurant because you're black. That's, that, that's the thinking of, of intelligent people, and it doesn't make a bit of sense. The same thing with the student loans. They would just let the government do it, even though they know there's no real authority to do that, but they just like the idea. They would let colleges and universities discriminate on the basis of race, even though it violates the 14th Amendment, because they think it's a good idea. They'll just twist the Constitution any way they can. And by the way, one other comment, and then the, then to the first call. When Katanji Brown Jackson said that the Supreme Court decision, um, I think this is the affirmative action decision, of let them eat cake, she was quoting Marie Antoinette or something attributed to Marie Antoinette. And we know what happened to Marie Antoinette. She became a victim of the French Revolution and was ultimately beheaded along with King Louis the Fourteenth, I believe. This, this, this is the thinking of a revolutionary. This is not the thinking of an American constitutional scholar, but the thinking of a revolutionary. When you believe that, that barring the government uh, and barring those under color of state law from simply picking and choosing people on the basis of, their col of the color of their skin is the equivalent of Marie Antoinette saying to starving people, eat cake. Which meant basically, I don't care if you die. It doesn't matter. So to equate those two, it's the same way they take Christians and our love of country and equate us to Nazis. It's just bizarre thinking. Because frankly, they don't care what the truth is. What they really care about is advancing their agenda. That's what I keep saying. That's the only thing that matters. Their agenda. So these other Supreme Court justices are just willing to twist the Constitution any way they, they could. One last comment. Imagine if there were five of them and only four conservatives. Our country would be in serious trouble because they are not constitutional scholars. They are cultural revolutionaries trying to move this country in a more collectivist Marxist direction. 
888-589-8840 is the number. It's First Amendment Friday. Let's get to your calls. We've got first-time caller Julius from Virginia. Julius, welcome. How you doing, sir? I am blessed. Julius, how are you? I am blessed as well. Amen. I know you are. <laughs> What's on your mind today? Uh, so, I just wanted you to know one of the reasons uh, I'm not getting into that whole issue about transgender and all that stuff. Uh, as a Christian, there's uh, obviously a belief in, in my heart that at the end of the day, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does say that that is something that is frowned upon. I agree with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's my thing. My thing is, as far as the supreme hypocrisy is concerned, that supreme hypocrisy comes from the fact that we were slaves at a time when don't tread on me was held up high as if to say, you know, we, we want our friend Patrick Henry or give me that. Yeah, but not for the slaves. So that's my okay. point. That's the only thing I wanted to say. Well, you wondered why a lot. One of the reasons why patriotism is going down, that's one of them. But Julius, I give you several more, but I don't have well, time. Well, wait a before, but Julius, before I have to let you go, explain to me what that has to do with you and the America you live in today. It t- just tell me, give me an instance because where that you said, affects your life you today. Said holding up high, holding up high, July Fourth. Yes, we are. This is a great country. No, it's not great for black people. African Americans went to Tulsa. African Americans went through Emmett okay. Hill. African Americans went through a lot of things. Julius, Julius, a lot of people have suffered in this country. I'm sure you're aware of that. And I know that there have been some unique instances where black folks have suffered. I, I ask you about you. See, because I have to tell you, for me, as a foster kid, as a kid who grew up poor, this is a great country because nothing has stood in my way when I wanted to work and, and make a better life for myself. It's I have been able to do it. So what I want to know is what about you? What how does this affect you, Julius, personally, so that you can say, yes, I am held back because of the color of my skin? Okay, I think that that, that gives okay, me my answer. Okay, so what you were just saying is you want to just, uh, you, you get, it, okay, I'm a, okay, I am a youth leader and a teacher of truth at my church, okay? Okay. Why do you feel that people in schools, because I, I work with teachers, why should the school system disinherit or disregard education when it comes to uh, or Tulsa, or Rosewood, or Emmett Hill. Okay. Why should all, right. all kids not be taught this? So, so Julius, you you said you're a teacher. What are are you teaching that? I I teach truth. Truth. Oh, no, well, Emmett now you just okay, was, Julius. Listen, listen Emmett Hill was dragged and 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 hung. Julius, Julius, I I am all too familiar with what happened to Emmett Till. I think of many people in the country are, and it was horrible. It was terrible. But Julius, it didn't happen to me. It didn't happen to you. And that was over 50 years ago. And my question to you is, again, my question to to all black Americans. What about you and your life now? What is it that's in your way? And by the way, nobody's stopping anybody from teaching the history of Tulsa or Emmett Till or anything like that. 
what I am opposed to, what many are opposed to, is teaching critical race theory because it's a lie. The country was not founded on racism, is not was not founded for slavery, is not built on the backs of slaves and all that nonsense. That's a that's a lie out of the pit of hell. But you want to teach the history of our country, which includes slavery and includes, yes, mistreatment of black folks. Yes, let's teach about mistreatment of Irish, too, and of Italians and of Germans and others who came to this country under very difficult circumstances. Let's teach the whole thing. But let's teach the nobility of our country as well and the illustrious values upon which we were founded. Back in a moment. It's my turn. Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Jericho was a two-day journey from Jerusalem in the time of Jesus. Today, the distance of about 15 miles can be covered in about 30 minutes. The city is located about five miles north of the Dead Sea. Since the city is more than 800 feet below sea level, it is extremely hot in the summer, but ideal in the winter. The oldest known evidence of civilization in the world is at Jericho. Archaeologists have found remains from a civilization dating back to before 7,000 B.C. Here, perhaps, man first learned to live together as an organized group. Not far from Jericho is the place in the Jordan River where tradition says Jesus was baptized by John. Immediately to the north of Jericho, one can see the Mount of Temptation. Supposedly, it was on that mount where Jesus was shown all the kingdoms of the world. Of course, the kingdoms were shown in the mind of Jesus, as it is impossible to see all the world from any mountain. Nevertheless, one can still see Mount Hermon, one of the original sources of the Jordan River, about a hundred miles to the north, if the weather is clear. To the southwest of Jericho, one can see the area of the wilderness where Christ was tested. In this wilderness, Jesus was tempted to turn the stones into bread. The implication was that if Jesus would give people bread, they would follow him. Politicians have long believed that. The next temptation was that of serving his tempter in return for power over the world. He was promised the bounty of the world if he would only yield to the tempter. Finally, he was tempted to jump from the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem. Here, the implication was to use magic to fool the masses. All the temptations Christ refused. It was in Jericho that little Zacchaeus climbed the sycamore tree and made it immortal. He wanted to see this man among men. To his complete amazement, Christ commanded that he come down from the tree and take him home as a guest. The words of Jesus so captivated this little Jewish tax collector, hated by his fellow Jews, that he was willing to give the poor half of the money he had spent his lifetime acquiring, <laughs> and to think that some are offended when urged to give a tithe. A sycamore tree still stands in the heart of Jericho today, symbolic of that transforming event. Here also is where blind Bartimaeus came to Christ. As he called out the name of Jesus from the roadside, the crowds sought to hush his pleas. They scolded him and told him to be quiet. 
that this was his chance to meet the master, to see again and live again, and an army could not have hushed his pleas. When he came to Jesus, his eyes were opened, and he was given his sight. Scripture says he did a normal thing following the regaining of his sight. He followed Jesus. Jericho was the winter home of King Herod the Great. It was here that Herod died, probably in 4 B.C. Shortly before his death, Herod ordered some of the prominent citizens of the town to be killed so that there would be tears shed at the time of his death. In Jericho, Jesus ministered to his fellow men. Hopefully, we can all find our Jericho each time our life crosses the path of another. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Let me just take one minute before I come to your calls to to say something further uh, to Julius. Number one, he said, this country is not great for black people. I beg to differ. I believe this country is great for black people. Now, has it had its moments, its times, its earlier times when it has not? Absolutely true. However, it wasn't great for the first pioneers who came here either. It wasn't great for the indentured servants who came here. It's been a process of coming out of the ancient era where slavery was normal and coming into the modern era where we allowed Christian principles and values to prevail and realize that that's just simply not something we as a nation should be engaged in. And, and ultimately, our country rejected it with the 13th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. That's number one. Uh, number two, if you really believe that this is not a great country, then I would recommend this. And I'm not trying to be insulting at all, but I would really recommend this. Gather together the people who, you, who think like you do and go find the place that you think will be great for you. I mean, I'm very serious. Go find the place that you think will be great for you. And guess what you're going to find? There is no greater place on earth for anybody to live, regardless of the color of their skin, than the United States of America. 888-589-8840 is the number. Okay, you've been waiting very patiently. Let's come to Brian in Tennessee. Brian, welcome. Yeah, Bishop. Question. Have we as a nation gotten to the point where we can't legislate it away, we can't even vote it away. Are we going to have to either go from the ballot box to the ammo box, or are we have to do like Israel and Judah and just split off into two nations? Because they won't work with us. They can't stand us. We can't stand them anymore. And basically, is it going to be you stay on your side of the fence, we'll stay on our side of the fence, and we'll keep what founding fathers left for us. You do what you want, because we can't deal with it. Unless two can, how can two walk together if they can't agree? Well, brother, you start quoting scripture on me. What can I say? <laughs> you know. All right, Brian, listen, look, I hope not. That's all I'll say, Brian. Thank you for the call. I hope not. I hope not. I hope that's not what it comes to. My prayer is for an awakening that sweeps people who have been misguided and seduced and misled into this. I mean, just like Julius, for example, here's a guy who says he's a Christian, but but. 
when we stand before God, are we going to stand before God and say, when God says, you know, I'm going to judge you now according to your works. I mean, can, can he or anybody, Lord, let me just make clear now, it was white people's fault. <laughs> I mean, you know, God is going to judge each of us on the basis of our, the deeds done in our bodies, our, our thoughts, our words, our deeds. And you're not going to be able to offer up excuses because of what you claim someone else did or did not do for you or to you. So I hope that an awakening happens in the nation uh, and that this nation is called back to God. And there will be some fringe people who won't come, who won't be a part of that. But I'm, I'm, I'm believing that even people like Julius and so many others who have been misguided into this collectivist thinking will awaken from it and realize, wait a minute, that's not the way I'm supposed to think. I'm supposed to be looking at each individual. The Bible says so in 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Henceforth, we do not judge anyone according to the flesh. Not even Jesus. What he looked like. What he, no. So we don't know people. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are past. That's the old way of thinking. All things have become new. Thank you for the call, Brian. So, so my my answer is no, Brian. We can't we can't go there, brother. Can't go there. Let's go to Ron in Tennessee. Ron, welcome. Uh, thank you. You know, Julius brings up a term that uh, was the topic of my call even before I heard his call, and the term African American uh, before Bill and Hillary uh, took over the office of presidency. Uh, that term was really not populated at all. It's, it's, it's kind of offensive to my memory of the black kids I used to play with, the, the, the black kids that I enjoyed friendships with at summer camp, even though I didn't live in a black neighborhood. I mean, I grew up with nothing, nothing in L.A., and that would probably uh, be a head-scratcher for the kids back in the 70s. Uh, they liked the term black. I, liked, I appreciate that you used the term black American. I mean... Uh, or just black. Yeah. Even saying black American is kind of offensive. It it it, it carves out an uh, uh, there you a, go a relationship. It it, car- it carves out joining together, and it's very Marxist. We're not. I'm not mm-hmm. a white American. I'm not. Uh, you know, uh, 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 my heritage American. I'm just American. I'm just a dude. Why can't we all <laughs> just be dudes? Go over to each other's house and play, and ha- not be condescended about what color skin we have, so we can't you know, uh, entertain a friendship or work in capacity with each other. I don't get this. And to continue it is is just Marxism. Ron, Ron, thank you for the call, brother. And look, continue it is it is Marxism. It's collectivism. It's a it's a it's it's a sort of an American Marxist approach, which is dividing people not so much by class, but by race. I couldn't agree with you more. That's the vision. But that's not what the left is promoting, is it? Dare I say, that's not what enough Republicans are promoting, for that matter, conservatives. A vision, one nation, under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all. Not, not a, a tribalized nation, a segregated nation, a bifurcated nation, but one nation under God. But see, they don't want the under God part, and without under God, there's not going to be a whole lot of oneness. Because basically, then there's no set standard. Nothing is fixed. And that's exactly where they're trying to take us. Thank you for the call. Let's see. Let's go to 
uh, Wesley in Georgia. Wesley, welcome. Hey, Bishop. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to encourage everyone this weekend with Independence Day weekend to kind of do a little bit of digging and look into the signers of the Declaration of Independence. There's this common misconception that these men were just were, were prominent men, and, and, and they were, you know, before the war. But there's this common misconception that they organized a bunch of, you know, regular people who fought, you know, fought the war and then just lived a life of luxury after the war. And that's not true. Most of these guys, I mean, I mean, the yep. vast majority of these signers gave up everything. I mean, they most of them died mm-hmm. penniless. I mean, they, I mean, they, gave, they, they were very prominent men and, and, and lived and lived, you know, you know, prosperous lives, but most of them died with nothing. I mean, they gave up, they gave up all their, their wealth, their, their livelihood, their, you know, some, some of them, their lives. I mean, you, you, just, and their you relationships too, they, Wesley, look, don't, don't forget that some of them divided with, all, with their yeah. family members over it who were loyal to the King. So yeah, that's they right. sacrificed. That's right. I mean, they did, they sacrificed as true patriots and we could all learn a lesson, a lesson from Amen. their stories and we really could. Amen. Right. Wesley, thank you so much for the call. And look, that's why, folks, I'm holding a patriotic rally on the 14th of July, 714. We're calling it a Second Chronicles 714 patriotic rally to secure America's future. Because I'm, con- I'm convinced, folks, without God, America has no future. Without God, America has no future. America's been blessed because we've been blessed by Almighty God. We prospered, I should say, because we've been blessed by Almighty God. And, and you take God out of the equation, and it's not a matter of if America collapses. It's only a matter of when. Um, I think that's one of the reasons. I'm not sure whether it was Brian or, or who would raise the question of, is it just time to just go our separate ways? Because we know if we follow the left's formula for our future, it leads to disaster. Because the left's formula for our future is no God complete sexual deviancy and depravity and degeneracy. Family doesn't matter. There are no fixed standards about anything. There are no absolutes. Uh, And the nation that forgets God is turned into hell. Back in a moment. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need you, YouTube. Banned one day, banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Hi, this is Miki Addison. Join me, my husband Will, and our kids for AFA at the Ark. We'll also be joined by Wesley and Walker Wildman and their families as we host a mini conference at the Ark Encounter, October 26th and 27th. AFA has reserved a block of rooms at the Marriott Cincinnati Airport Hotel, which will be available at a discounted price. Space is limited. Learn more and register at marriagefamilylife.net. And I hope to see you at the Ark. In this new world, on this new day, we rejoice that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. 
Preborn has been preparing for this moment for the past 16 years by positioning their clinics in the top six abortion states where 50% of abortions occur. Sadly, five of these six states will continue to abort babies at an even greater level. And since the abortion pill accounts for over 50% of abortions, babies are even more at risk. Preborn pregnancy clinics are completely dependent on you as they offer life-saving ultrasounds and the life-saving gospel to moms and babies in crisis. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life will be without her. To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives and sharing the heart of Jesus, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. He got out of his truck and he came around. I'll call him Royce because that's his name. This is Focus on the Family Minute, and after his daughter was diagnosed with leukemia, Ken Kington recalls a time a friend offered some practical help. Royce came over, he goes, hey man, I'm so sorry to hear about your daughter. I just want you to know we're praying for you. And I said, thanks Royce. I said, I appreciate it. He goes, I just want you to know we're, we're in this area all summer and I just want you to know we're going to take care of your yard all summer. And I said, Royce, I said, man, I appreciate that. You don't have to do that. I said, if you could do it one time though, that'd be great. And he's like, no, we're going to do it all summer. I said, well, you know what, if you could just do it like twice, like this week and maybe next week, because I, I, we're trying to figure this whole thing out. And he's just like, yeah, um, you're not getting this. Uh, we're doing it all summer. And I was like, oh. Look for ways to reach out and help others in need. And hear more from Ken Kington today at FamilyMinute.org. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. We're back. The number is 888-589-8840. It's First Amendment Friday. Let's get to more of your calls. You've been waiting patiently. Susan in Virginia, welcome. Hello. Thank you, Bishop, for taking my call. I love your show. Um, Thank you. I wanted to just suggest some things for Julius, Um, and yes, there are some things that we should be very ashamed of that happen in our country to black people, but um, I did not realize until um, I got the American Heritage Series that's copyrighted like 2007, so it's been around a while, but if you go to disc number nine, and I don't know if they still have it or not, I'd be happy to send it to him if he wanted to give me his address. It, ca- it says, Great Black Patriots, From Bondage to the Halls of Congress, Civil Rights Movement. And I didn't realize that at that period, that early in history, we actually had some blacks involved. And, you know, I mean, if you think back to how many Union troops died to fight for their, those were white people. They were blacks that probably fought too, but that lost their lives trying to end slavery. Um, John Adams is another good um, video I watched, I got from the library that um, Abigail, um, John's wife, was very much against the slaves because she talked about them building the things and not being able to... um, enjoy the rights right. of what was going to go on in those halls. So, well, Susan, um, thank, listen, Susan, I, I've, I've got full lines, but look, I appreciate the historical references. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's one of the things that an earlier caller raised, too, that people don't understand. Our history is complex. John Adams, for example, wouldn't touch slavery with a 10-foot pole, ever. 
ever. He condemned it from the very beginning. Ben Franklin owned slaves very early on, but he condemned it early on. It was part of one of the early abolitionist societies. So many of our founding fathers understood early on that it was wrong. Some, they came to it later. And of course, there were some who just really never came to it. But you can't, you can't dismiss the fact that there are Americans who are not black, who sacrificed, suffered, bled, and died for the freedom of every American, including black Americans. So, Susan, you're right. And David Barton's website, folks, Wall Builders, is a place where you can get a lot of that history, too. Thank you for the call. Let's get to Tim, first-time caller in Tennessee. Tim, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for calling and uh, for letting me call. It's, uh, I listen to your show faithfully. Uh, my you, question Tim. is, what about the white people uh, that was poor, that was sharecroppers like my dad, that picked cotton alongside the black people? Uh, should I get reparations because he had to pick cotton as well? Uh, he was yeah. poor. He had no advantage. Uh, and he, he made something out of himself. See, Tim, that's the utter stupidity of racial thinking. See, because here again, there are people who came to this country as indentured servants and suffered. I mean, they were really the equivalent of slaves. They worked right alongside slaves on these plantations. And the only difference was that the, 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 the master class tried to convince them that they were different than the African slave so that they would rely on their loyalty to the master. I mean, that, that's, that was really the only difference. Uh, but, you know, here again, when you think only in racial terms, it doesn't really matter. Because even if you were working under the same, your ancestors were working under the same circumstances, they were still white. I mean, it, it just, it, it is, it, and it's, it's just such superficial, stupid thinking. And again, uh, Bacon's Rebellion, uh, I think that was 16. 46, if I'm not mistaken, but he, he pulled together slaves and indentured servants and everybody to fight Governor Barkley of Virginia because he felt that all of the poor and lower income or middle class people with smaller farms, smaller uh, land um, holes were all mistreated and given no help whatsoever while all the elites were supported. And of course, that was the beginning of slave codes because they didn't want all of these poor and lower income people banding together, slaves banding together and saying, hey, we're all in this together and they're mistreating us all. So thank you for the call, though, Tim. Appreciate it. Let's see. Let's go to uh, you've been waiting very patiently here for a while. I think I think that's been uh, Norman from Mississippi. Norman, welcome. How are you doing, Bishop? Bless. Norman, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, and I, I, I do agree with the, the fact that I think uh, America is a great country, a, and the American ideal is a noble one. Right. Uh, although it has not worked up until the late 60s, early 70s, it was not good. Uh, uh, black people did not have uh, certain rights in America. In fact, we, at one time, we were thought of as, as being about uh, three-fifths human. 
So, okay. Uh, so, uh, 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 hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Norman, let me educate you a little bit. You're talking about the three-fifths clause of the Constitution. That is not true, Norman. That's what people have said. It's not true. The three-fifths clause was not about measuring the humanity of black people. The three-fifths clause was a compromise between the North and the South as to how much congressional representation Southern states would get. And they compromised the same way they did with the Confederate documents before the Constitution, which was to say, we will count three-fifths of the slaves for purposes of congressional representation. That's all it said. And in fact, if you had counted every slave as one person for purposes of the South, it would have been a boon and a support and a help to slavery. So, so I just wanted to disabuse you of that notion because that's one of the ways that we're manipulated into believing everything about America is racial. Everything is racist. That was uh, an attempt to try to limit the power of the slave owner class. Okay. You may not have heard that before, but that I just gave you the truth about the three-fifths clause. That's not that's not my issue. I'm, I'm not dealing with that. I, I mentioned that because it did affect slaves. I, I mean, I don't know how you could think that it did not affect slaves. But, but, but no, okay, Norman, is, Norman, Norman, listen, Norman. No, no, no. Hold, hold on. Norman, it helped slaves. It helped them. Because if you'd counted... Every slave, it would have increased the power of southern slaveholding states. So you are wrong. It did not hurt slaves. It helped slaves because it was not about measuring their humanity. Now, you know, Norman, I, I'm going to take another call. You go check that out, okay? Because here again, you, you, are, you, you have been made another uh, victim of this, this kind of of indoctrination as to how we're supposed to think about the country. And that's one of those. It is a complete and utter lie that was never intended to define the humanity of black people as three-fifths of a human being. And everybody's kind of accepted that, and it's just not true. But thank you for the call, my friend. I've got to move on. Uh, let's go to Mike in Missouri. Mike, welcome. Hey, Semper Fi, this is your brother up here in Missouri. All right, brother. You know, Julius and some of these other people, the problem is they want to live in the past and cling to things that were negative. And when you do that, it makes you a victim. You develop a victim mentality. I'm half Polish Jew. I'm Messianic Jew. I'm Christian. I'm a Marine veteran. If, if I wanted to cling to things that happened in the past that were bad, that they did to the Jews in Auschwitz and stuff, you know, I would never want to speak to another German person. But that was the past. I live in the present. You know, you learn from the past, but you don't cling to it. You move on with your life and take advantage of the opportunities this country gives you. You know, uh, you, you, you just can't dwell on this negative stuff because these people that do this, they develop a victim mentality. Yeah. And that's my comment. Yeah. Well, Mike, very well said. Simplified to you too, Mike. Thank you so much for the call. Let's go to David in, L uh, in Louisiana. David, welcome. Hi, Bishop. Um, happy uh, Independence Day to you. <laughs> Thank you. Same to you, David. Hey, uh, my uh, my comment. Well, actually, uh, I want to know your opinion on uh, Thomas Paine, and uh, I uh, personally uh, regard him as a. I, I don't want him to be forgotten. You know, we uh, about our American heritage. I over and over you 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 will you have us talking about our history. He's not mentioned. And uh, yeah. a guy that 
probably was the most influential in that era, uh, was personally responsible for the Louisiana Purchase, I think, you know, he was, uh, and uh, all the wonderful things he did. And uh, so um, I I just don't want him to be forgotten. And I wish he was mentioned more often, you know. Well, thank you, David. And you're right. I mean, Thomas Paine wrote Common Sense. And, of course, he's the one who penned the famous words, these are the times that try men's souls. Uh, in the middle of the Revolutionary War, he 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 kind of he he galvanized the country. So you are right. Um, there's you know as he developed, and maybe that's one of the reasons why he doesn't get the kind of attention he sh- he perhaps deserves. I mean, he did kind of begin to shift later in life, and and atheism became a part of his thinking and so forth. So, but you are right. I mean, he is definitely one of those patriots who uh, I think really was very instrumental in helping us to win the Revolutionary War, primarily with his words. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Bobby in Arkansas. Bobby, welcome. Hey, Bishop. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you just fine, Bobby. Uh, you know, go right ahead. Think, you know, the scripture says that the Jews, that the Jews fall, brought forth salvation, just Gentiles, for 2,023 years. How much more their fullness? And if you think about the slaves they're suffering, they brought forth salvation to a black man in a land of liberty and freedom. Now, it says that this present suffering cannot be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And in the kingdom of God, there's going to be many black ancestors that's going to have great crowns of glory in the kingdom of God. And All everybody's right, Bobby, going to Bobby, see that's, Bobby, listen, brother, you said a mouthful right there. I wish we could go on with that conversation. God bless you, Bobby. Listen, everybody, have a wonderful 4th of July. And let's pray for the unity of our country. You could hear some of it here where people are kind of want to diminish it a little bit. This is the greatest place on earth to live, and we should be thankful to God for it. Stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up, because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit, because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.